Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Almost every witness right. account that anybody has read on this story calls her a recruiter. And some witness accounts go beyond yeah. that and say she was actually involved, John, that she was actually part of uh, the abuse of some of these girls. What? Wh- why is right. there no movement? Is there an apprehension? Is there investigations? What the hell do we know? Yeah, that, that's really a big question, isn't it? Where in the world is Ghislaine Maxwell? Welcome to Episode 7 of Epstein, Devil in the Darkness. I'm your host, Danielle Robay. In previous episodes, we have exposed Jeffrey Epstein's ties to the world's most powerful men and heard from some of the young girls he caught in his web of abuse. Now, we turn our focus on the most important person in Jeffrey Epstein's life, his best friend, former girlfriend, and alleged madam, Ghislaine Maxwell. The one person who would know a lot about him, obviously, is Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell is the glue that holds all of this together. For more than 20 years, Ghislaine Maxwell was an almost permanent presence by Jeffrey Epstein's side. But after he was arrested on sex trafficking charges in July 2019, she was nowhere to be found. When he turned up dead in jail, Ghislaine remained underground. There was one sighting, but even that was suspect. A photo of Ghislaine eating at In-N-Out Burger in Los Angeles, seemingly without a care in the world. It's the photo seen around the world. Jeffrey Epstein's missing ex-girlfriend, supposedly at a popular burger joint in L.A. It was said to have been taken on August 11th as the world was looking for her. But disturbing questions are now being raised about the images of Ghislaine Maxwell and whether they are fake. Maxwell family friend Laura Goldman wasn't buying it for a second. When I saw the picture of Ghislaine Maxwell at In-N-Out, I knew it was a fake immediately because she didn't eat. There was no way she was eating a hamburger and french fries. Journalist Andy Tillett explains why her whereabouts are now such a mystery. Ghislaine and her family are really experts at dropping off the radar. After her dad, Robert Maxwell's suspicious death, she did exactly the same thing for a while. Her lifestyle makes it pretty easy for her to disappear. Uh, She and her family own properties across Europe. They have close friends and ties in Israel as well. Some people thought she might have even fled to Russia. Or she could be on the law of the land floating in a yacht somewhere. There are infinite possibilities. But one thing is for certain, uh, if charges are brought against her, she'll be nearly impossible to find and bring in. Ghislaine's life of international intrigue and immeasurable privilege began in Paris, France on Christmas Day, 1961. Her father, Robert Maxwell, was a self-made publishing tycoon. He served briefly in the British Parliament, 
was a war hero, and was even rumored to have been an Israeli spy. Martin Dillon, author of The Assassination of Robert Maxwell, explains. So our FBI files I came across were the FBI was very suspicious of Maxwell, and for good reason, if you think about it. In the 1950s, he was one of the few people who was able to fly in and out of the Soviet Union, more than any CIA agent. And he would fly in and out. He would have dinner in the Kremlin. So, you know, the, the thing is, when you're talking about Maxwell, you're talking about someone who probably, in many ways, has been underestimated, both as a, a master spy, as a master criminal. Laura Goldman is a longtime friend of Ghislaine's sister, Isabel and says the family's ties to Israel ran deep, as did their sense of privilege. I met Isabel Maxwell in a meeting, and when we walked into the meeting, members of the founding families of Israel literally stood up when she walked in the room in deference to her father, Robert Maxwell. I was kind of blown away by that. The Maxwell family spent most of their life in the upper crust of British aristocracy, Israeli aristocracy, and Jewish aristocracy. What people don't understand about the Maxwells is they're very upstairs, downstairs. I really think she was raised not to worry about the other people. They were a means to an end. Robert Maxwell's high standing in politics and publishing gave him access to a circle of powerful and influential men. Access that would have been valuable to any foreign intelligence agency, Dylan claims. So really what he's doing also, he's building what the Russians call compromise on all of these people. He was building files. What we think today of what Epstein was doing, Epstein was sort of flying very important people around the world, providing young girls for some of them, building files. It's, it's how the intelligence services work. They call it the, the honey trap. Before long, Maxwell's trap snapped shut. In 1991, Robert Maxwell died under suspicious circumstances after supposedly falling from his yacht, named Lady Ghislaine, in honor of his favorite daughter. Although his death was officially ruled an accidental drowning, many believe there was a more sinister explanation. In the months that followed, Robert Maxwell was found to have stolen millions of dollars from his company's pension fund. It was a massive scandal and a tragic end to his legacy. In the face of widespread humiliation, Ghislaine fled to America to start a new life. She was 30 when her father died. She was the one who felt that he, he had been murdered. And the interesting thing about her is that when she goes to New York after he dies, and the years after he dies, she has access to the kind of people that her father had access to. So therefore, I mean, she's around the, the Clintons. She's around a whole lot of other people. And of course, she meets Epstein. The well-connected socialite and the ambitious Wall Street wannabe hit it off immediately first as lovers, and then as something else entirely. Here's attorney Alan Dershowitz. There was kind of an implicit understanding that they did have a romance at one point. I know that the popular notion is, is that Jelaine and Jeffrey dated. I believe that they definitely slept together. I just don't believe they really dated. I think that the connection between them was he had the cast and she had the connections. Or Jeffrey Epstein had the cash, and Ghislaine Maxwell had the panache. In Ghislaine, Epstein had found his passport into the highest circles of the world's elite. Epstein, until she comes along, does not have the kind of political associations that she had 
my feeling is that she is a kind of prime mover. She had the connections to Mossad. She had the connections to the, the people that her father was very close to. If you can get into the company of people who have been former presidents, uh, people who are working in some of the newest software and scientific developments, that's all important. That's, you know, that's, that's what intelligence really is. Also invaluable was Ghislaine's friendship with Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York, and wife to Britain's Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew was really good friends with Ghislaine. So Ghislaine was the connection between Jeffrey and Prince Andrew. It was obvious why Epstein might want Ghislaine around. For Ghislaine, who already had the access he craved, it seems the attraction was more basic. Here's Maxwell family friend Laura Goldman again. Jelaine Maxwell was madly in love with Jeffrey. She had only eyes for one person, and that was Jeffrey. She always believed that if she did one more thing right, he would marry her. I really believe that she loved him, she cared for him, and wanted to marry him, and would do anything to make that happen. As Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell became a fixture on the high society social scene through the 90s and early 2000s, few guessed what depravity they were pursuing behind closed doors. Deidre Stratton, who worked on Epstein's Zorro Ranch, remembers Ghislaine, initially at least, as a good boss. She and Jeffrey would stay in the manufactured home, now called the Lodge, and it was before the mansion, it was while the mansion was being built. Yeah, she was, she was very, very nice. And Alan Dershowitz also says he never suspected she might be involved in Epstein's perversions at that time. I had quite a few interactions with her, probably um, 10 occasions. She was very nice. She made toast for my daughter. My daughter liked her very much. She was probably 10 at the time. My wife has spent time with her. I have never seen anything untoward about her. All of my contact with her was she would arrange my flights when my legal team came down. She would call me and ask me if I could talk to Jeffrey, that he wanted to talk to me about his case. She was his kind of major domo, but I never saw anything improper. For others, however, the warning signs were there. Here's writer and New York socialite Jesse Kornbluth. The first idea I had that sex was involved as anything occurred through Julian Maxwell, his uh, sometime girlfriend and alleged pimp. It was at a dinner at Joan Rivers' house. I was standing with my wife. Julian came over and said, Jesse, if you lose 10 pounds, I'll sleep with you. I found that kind of brazen. The offer could have been made out of my wife's earshot, right? But it, the idea that she could do this openly, and it was even perhaps kind of an invitation to my wife. I have no idea how far this went, but that was the first time sex involving those two people came up for me at all. Epstein's chauffeur, speaking here under condition of anonymity for his own safety, also remembers one incident that made him uneasy at the time and now seems deeply chilling. Being the driver, you know, I I overheard stuff. I saw stuff that didn't wasn't too kosher. Uh, well, one day, I, I think I remember, is I picked up Miss Maxwell with two young ladies. 
They were in the back seat of the car. They were talking. The, the girls seemed a little nervous, and she just kept reassuring them, don't worry, everything will be okay, you'll be fine. Just do what I told you to do, and when it's all over, you'll be very happy. You don't have to worry about anything, and we'll get you home as soon as you're done. And uh, so I took them, and I drove them to an apartment on 65th Street. I let them out. I, she said it out. We'll be out in a couple hours. I waited for them, maybe two and a half, three hours. Came out and drove them back to the airport. They got back on the plane and off they went. They were young, but the thing they got me was is when she was telling them, you know, to be calm and don't worry and you're going to be okay. She was kind of like, I don't know, they were nervous and she was reassuring them and it just seems weird, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, why would you, you know, if you knew these girls or they were related to you, you wouldn't say stuff like this to these girls, you know, you would just have a normal conversation, but it was kind of like she was coaching them almost and it was very strange. Deidre Stratton says that she soon personally witnessed Ghislaine rounding up women to come service Epstein. They'd get in the mansion, she'd be in her office and immediately open the book and start calling girls to see if they would be willing to come there to entertain Jeffrey. Ghislaine would get immediately to the black book and try to bring girls from California in that were free to come play at the ranch. And then oftentimes, you know, sometimes they go wheels up with them back to New York. It just would depend if they, you know. And that's sort of like what Ghislaine's job, it seemed to me, was, is to keep him entertained, just like we were supposed to have a list of women that didn't have visible tattoos or piercings that were willing to drive out there to massage him. In recent years, several alleged victims have come forward and named Ghislaine in court documents claiming she recruited and groomed them for abuse when they were underage girls. The first of these was Jane Doe III, later revealed to be Virginia Roberts Jufre, who said in a 2015 deposition that Maxwell had groomed her for a life of abuse. Journalist Andy Tillett covered the case at the time. Virginia was trying to join a lawsuit that two other anonymous victims had filed against the federal government. They were charging that the government hadn't given them a heads up about Epstein's plea deal, which they should have done underneath the law. Virginia was denied from joining that case. But then when Maxwell claimed she was lying about the abuse allegations, Virginia filed a separate defamation lawsuit of her own, specifically against Maxwell. The case files were finally unsealed just days before Epstein's death, and they contain hundreds of pages of more allegations against Ghislaine. Here, an actor reads from Jufre's sworn court affidavit, describing how she says her time with Epstein and Maxwell began. Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell trained me to do what they wanted, including sexual activities and the use of sexual toys. The training was in New York and Florida at Epstein's mansions. It was basically every day and was like going to school. I also had to have sex with Epstein many times. In another section of the unsealed case, Jufre writes about what she claims was one of her first chilling encounters with Maxwell, now read by an actor. We were only chatting for a moment before Ghislaine appeared and told me Jeffrey was ready for his massage. I was led through the extensively large house to the winding staircase that would lead me up to the same dreaded room where I would have to reenact last night's performance. I wasn't far from wrong. I gave Jeffrey a massage with Ghislaine leading the way again. This time we surprisingly made it to the front of his body. 
He couldn't dare contain himself for one second longer. Ghislaine started to undress me from behind. Within moments, I was completely naked and Ghislaine had her top off. She was caressing my body with her hands while Jeffrey moved his hands down. I didn't know if she was doing this for the sake of his eye candy, but she sure did act like she loved having control over me, telling me what to do throughout the entire threesome. Jeffrey's climax was always the end to our sessions. Afterwards, we went for the ritualistic steam room, this time Ghislaine joining in with us for conversation. She asked me to massage her feet this time while we were in the steam room, showing me that Jeffrey wasn't the only one I had to pay my homage to. Virginia also claimed that Epstein and Maxwell forced her to have sex with Britain's Prince Andrew when she was just 17, an allegation that the judge ordered struck from the record and that Buckingham Palace continues to deny. But speaking in September this year, Virginia repeated the claim. He knows exactly what he's done, and I hope he comes clean about it. Ghislaine Maxwell has always strongly denied all of the allegations against her. But since Jufre's first lawsuit, several other women have brought similar cases against her, cases that we will be looking at in greater detail in a future episode. And despite her continued denials, many people close to the case insist Ghislaine is just as guilty as Jeffrey Epstein. Spencer Coven represents several victims making that charge. Ghislaine Maxwell essentially was a groomer of young women for Mr. Epstein. There is no doubt that based on what we saw as attorneys representing the victims that Ghislaine Maxwell was utilizing her position with Mr. Epstein to groom young girls, to get young girls for him, to bring young girls to Mr. Epstein for the sexual abuse, to engage in some of the sexual activities with him. Attorney Lisa Bloom, who represents several other victims, has a similar take. You know, assuming all of the reports are true, that she procured girls for him, it's just heartbreaking to me that a woman would do that. And look, I, I, women do terrible things, just like men do. But it's just unimaginable to me that she would do that, that she would bring girls to him knowing that he was abusing them. She would have so little disregard for these girls and their lives. I mean, okay, so she's, she denies it. And, I, you know, I don't like to convict somebody just based on press accounts. But there's certainly a lot of people saying that she procured them. And, God, if that's true, it's, it's just horrific. So what could bring a woman to such horrific depths of depravity? Here's Maxwell family friend Laura Goldman. I believe that Jelaine knowingly recruited young girls. I believe that she knew what Jeffrey Epstein would do to them. I believe that she just, in some crazy part of her mind, did not think it was wrong. And I think she thought keeping Jeffrey happy was her goal. I do not think she thinks at the time what she was doing was wrong. I think that Robert Maxwell taught his kids that normal rules don't apply to them. Goldman says Ghislaine may have learned something else from her father, too. How to spy on her powerful friends. 
There's a lot of rumors about the Maxwell family and Robert Maxwell, especially when he ended up dead on his boat. My feeling is that he probably was an agent to the Russians, the Israelis, and the British. I believe that Jelaine Maxwell continued his work. It's an idea that makes sense to author and investigator Martin Dillon. If you're an intelligence community and you have someone like Epstein, who's a kind of celebrity who can attract celebrities, who can be a part of conversations about world events, about the most secret things, if you can put people like Clinton on his planes, and you can put Ehud Barak, a former prime minister of Israel, a former general, then he's a guy who really matters to you. If he's going to be your friend, he's going to work for you, he's going to be an asset for you. Look what he can do. He can give you information on all those politicians, on their their private behavior, their picadillos. All these things are important to intelligence communities. Could Ghislaine Maxwell have introduced Epstein to her father's alleged compromise blackmail technique of catching important men in compromising or illegal acts with underage girls? We had heard that Mr. Epstein had created videos inside of his home and kept them as insurance with respect to high-profile individuals who had been in his home and who had visited him and maybe he had provided women to some of these individuals, young girls. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Ghislaine Maxwell may know where all that information is buried. And that's her insurance policy, and that's why she's so smug and arrogant and not worried that she's going to be prosecuted because of what she has and the evidence that he may have already given her. So, again, you know, this story may live on because of the fact that she may have additional information that could be uncovered later on. She is the person who I think has uh, has a lot to give. You know, maybe there are people who are talking to her saying, look, uh, you, you give us this, give us that, and we'll do a deal. As we've reported, former Palm Beach County Deputy Sheriff John Mark Dugan says there were indeed blackmail tapes and that he still has copies. Still, no one knows more about Epstein and his co-conspirators, especially since Epstein is dead. Journalist Andy Tillett explains. In simple terms, dead men tell no tales. We'll never know what Jeffrey Epstein may have said under oath about his powerful friends or Ghislaine Maxwell, which is certainly convenient for them. Finding her seems like the only hope now to find out the full truth about what he did. Many believe she'll never be found and will never face justice. I believe that Jelene Maxwell will never face consequences. In places like France, it's very hard to extradite someone back for those crimes. I also think that Israel might protect her, you know, due to their worship of her father and their their gratitude to her father. I also think the British government, to protect Prince Andrew, would give her a new name and she could go about her life. Still, others believe that Epstein's death will only strengthen prosecutors' resolve to find Ghislaine. Attorney Gloria Allred is representing several victims, and she insists that there is no hiding from the law. I do feel that there's an extremely serious investigation ongoing by the United States Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York of those who potentially did conspire, knowingly conspire with Mr. Epstein to recruit young girls for Mr. Epstein. And it may be that now that he is deceased, more victims will be more willing to speak about who 
may have been in that chain to recruit them, to manage them, to pay them, to transport them to and from Mr. Epstein. I do feel if there is sufficient evidence that the U.S. attorney feels could assist in proving guilt beyond a reasonable doubt of a co-conspirator, I do think it's likely that that person will be indicted. And I have confidence. I know they're working hard. They're not just working Monday through Friday. I know to a fact they're working weekends, they're working nights, sometimes they're working holidays. They are working hard on this. They know how important it is. Fellow attorney Spencer Coven also has faith that Ghislaine will get her day in court. The arrogance of wealthy people never surprises me. And that's really what I think it is. It's arrogance, it's ignorance, it's the idea that I'm above the law and a different legal system applies to me than everyone else. She's basically thumbing her nose at the U.S. justice system, saying, catch me if you can. I can tell you without a doubt that on behalf of the victims, I hope that Ghislaine Maxwell is ultimately arrested and prosecuted for her crimes. We don't know, as we sit here today, what information that they also have on Ghislaine Maxwell that they just haven't chosen to share with the public. You know, any ongoing investigation would be private and confidential, and they don't have to share that information with the public until they decide to ultimately charge her. So I would speculate uh, that it's entirely possible the U.S. Attorney's Office has thousands more pages on Ghislaine Maxwell, and they've just, they're waiting for the right time or the right witness or the right information to come forward to be able to close the book and charge her as well. We are very hopeful. Uh, I know the victims are. I frankly would not be surprised if we see her charged within the next year. Victims attorney Lisa Bloom has a message for Epstein's mysterious alleged madam. How could this happen? How could you do this? What were you thinking? How could you be blinded by presumably your love for him? Again, come clean if you did break the law, you know, work with your attorneys to come clean and just be honest and transparent. You know, so many victims are hurting and we need to know what happened. Next time on Epstein, Devil in the Darkness, the hunt for a monster. She was told that if she would go to this house and meet this gentleman who was a wealthy man who supposedly was influential with Victoria's Secret and new people within the modeling industry, that she could get a job as a model. I'm like, are you sure there's nothing else to it? She's like, yes, I'm sure. I'm like, is there anything weird about this guy that I need to know? She's like, no. During the time that you're massaging him on his chest, is he touching himself? Yeah. Well, you know, he start getting a little excited about it and he start touching himself. Epstein, Devil in the Darkness is hosted by me, Danielle Robay. Executive produced by Dylan Howard and Melissa Cronin and is a production of Broad and Water Studios and Endeavor Audio. Executive producers also include Tom Freestone, James Robertson, and Andy Tillett. This series is written by Dominic Utten. Reporting by Aaron Tinney, Doug Montero, Jen Hager, and Marjorie Hernandez. The series is mixed and engineered by Sean Kravitz and Sam Ada. There is so much more to this story, and you don't want to miss anything, I can assure you. Make sure you subscribe to Epstein, Devil in the Darkness, wherever you get podcasts.